Hey everybody, it's officially draft season, and we here at Upside Swings couldn't do what we do without Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks. Joyce always has been the great Stone Hanson and the wonderful Cooper Klein. This might be the first 30 for 30 pod with all three of us on it, now that I'm thinking about it. No, never mind. I'm stupid. Never mind. I'm dumb. Don't listen to me. Um, but we're here to talk about our first team with no picks. These are always the most interesting to do. And and whenever we're doing a team with no picks, we like to bring on someone who could really, who, who we feel really knows their stuff that, that covers the team close and, and, and brings an interesting, interesting perspective. And we decided to bring on our, our good friend, Stephen Be- Begel, uh, just a great guy. He does a lot of work. The Bird Rights Pod. Uh, he he is a consultant for Sports Ethos, and he writes for Sixer Sense. CBA Wizard, uh, I learn stuff all the time listening to his podcast, talking to him. I think he is a wonderful presence in uh, the draft and basketball community. Steven, my friend, how you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. I mean, given the Sixers collapse once again, but I'm immune to it. So I appreciate you guys, you know, having me on. Uh. Not any better or worse than, since our last pod uh, two hours ago. So, um, doing steady uh, and ready to ready to talk to Stephen about um, you know why James Harden's going to be a rocket and uh, hopefully get Cooper pretty mad on this. You know I am okay either way this goes. If Harden comes home, then we're better. If Harden stays, then he actually has a chance at winning a ring during the rest of his career. So I. Uh... I will not be mad either way. Uh, I I do feel kind of bad for for Steven and all the Sixers fans because if Harden leaves, I have no idea what they do. So uh, let's let's hop right into it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the place to start, Steven, you you hinted at it, the disappointing end. This was this felt like the year maybe. Embiid got his MVP. Harden looked pretty good early in the playoffs, and it just the dagger again. So Steven, how would you describe? Uh, the Sixers season as a whole at this point I just uh, as I said a few minutes ago I'm so immune to the disappointment of losing the second round in a game seven whether it's passing up a dunk or Kawhi shot going in or just Embiid and Harden completely not showing up in that game seven I mean it's definitely tough and there's a lot of people out there who think we should you know do the process 2.0 and just blow it up again, trade Embiid. I'm not there yet. I think you got to try it another year or two. And I know I'm sure we're going to talk about Harden momentarily, but I, I think you got to give it a shot with Embiid and Maxi and just, you know, see, they say Daryl Moore is one of the best. I think he's one of the best. Let's see if he could pull a rabbit out of his hat. Yeah. So I think there's, there's two places we could potentially start with this and that's, with the coaching stuff or with Harden. And I think just because Coop's here, I do want to start with Harden. That's obviously, I think, the biggest domino that will fall. Um, there are rumors that he is going back to uh, to Houston. Uh, he says he wants the max. I, I, I feel like this is all a ploy for Maury to give him the full four-year max, um, the most they can give him, uh, and that he's using Houston as leverage because – they're the only other team who would conceivably give him that. 
Steven, how do you feel about this Harden stuff? How do you feel it will resolve? And if he does get a max and he's still on this team, are you even like happy about that, honestly? I think will those smoke those fire in the NBA? Um it could definitely be a leverage ploy, so I do agree with that. In terms of basketball, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for him to go to Houston unless there's some sort of plan for them to trade for a definitive second guy. I don't know, maybe a Paul George type. I don't know how Cooper would feel about that. But I can't imagine Harden going there just, okay, I like Jalen Green enough, I like Shangun enough, I like Jabari Smith enough to, for him to feel confident basketball-wise, to really compete, though. Sure, I know his family, though, his lifestyle there. Maybe he doesn't care about the basketball at this point. But in regard to whether I'll be happy, I mean, yes, he did have somewhat of a collapse, especially in Game 7, but he did have two 40-point games that series. He led the league in assists. He had a fine regular season. So I I think given... The offensive workload and B takes on, averaging 33 points a game, and Tyrese Maxey taking another step. I think I would be okay with Harden for the first one or two years of that deal, given you can't replace him. But after that, it's definitely, you know, you're going to have to swallow that probably third and fourth year with how much he's been slowing down the last, you know, it's basically since Houston traded him to Brooklyn. This just kind of mirrors like what we talked about in the Houston pod with James that we just released today. It's like, I, if you're signing Harden, you are very happy to sign him for two or three years. It's once you get to that fourth year that you're like, oh, now like he's probably going to be dead. Like 38 year old Harden, he's been on the decline. He's physically just like beaten up over the past few seasons. Um, like I don't. If I'm Philly, I, f- you, I I just feel kind of trapped into giving him that full four-year max. And then by year three, I just don't know what you do. Because if if you only, if it's only a three-year contract, you can do the Russ special. You can trade him. You can try and like, oh, we can turn an expiring plus a, f- a pick or two into some real role players. But if he has two more years left, that's a lot harder of a bullet to bite for teams. So it's uh, it's a real gamble. And uh, it's it's really I, I just don't know what Philly does either way. They feel kind of trapped and they have to sign him. But then they it feels like they have to sign him for the full four years. But if they don't sign him, then what is the backup plan to like stay in contention with your MVP and this really weird roster? The Sixers have no picks. And this is a fairly constant thing with 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 their Mori teams just uh he just he seems to not particularly value the draft in general um he's more interested in, in somewhat proven or interesting commodities in that way um so I, I i'm interested like steven do you think there's any chance they trade into the first round or even the even like a, the high second round if so who would like a target be so I was looking at Daryl's history of second round picks. He actually does pretty frequently trade into like the 45 to 55 range. Um, he did it a couple years ago with Paul Reed. Or I don't even remember if he was our GM for Paul Reed, honestly. But I, he did it a couple years ago. I remember when he was with Houston, he got DeAnthony Melton in that range. He got Montres Harrell in that range. So in the scenario where he trades for 45 to 55 type pick, 
those guys have such a low probability of actually hitting and being, you know, seven, eight year NBA vets. But Daryl's done a decent job in that range. So I have a few guys on my list that I think will go in that 45 to 55 range. And then a few undrafted guys I could talk about. So the first guy I have on this list is Dayron Holmes from Dayton, who I adore him. I I have a first round grade on him. I know I had Raphael Ballo on bird rights earlier this year, and he felt the same sentiments. I don't know if his opinion has since changed. That was a couple months ago since the combine and all. Holmes, from what I heard, might end up going back to Dayton, but I like him. And then two other guys that really popped to me. I was watching some, I was watching a Kentucky and Arkansas game on Synergy a couple weeks ago. And for Nick Smith and all the Arkansas guys. The two guys that popped to me when I watched that game and when I watched another Kentucky game for Casey Wallace were actually Jacob Toppin and Antonio Reeves. I, again, I'm more of a CBA guy than a draft guy. But I cannot figure out why Antonio Reeves has generated absolutely no buzz. I know he was at the G League League camp, so maybe teams are a little bit interested. But those are the three guys that I said, okay, those are targets either in the late seconds or undrafted range, maybe on a two-way. And then the other guy, I have one more name, Eric Gaines from UAB. So those are the four guys that I said, okay, realistically, I think those are guys that Daryl could either sign undrafted, sign to a two-way, or trade late into the second round to go and get. Yeah, I think um, getting homes would be huge for them. Um, uh, I think all three of us are in on him as a top 20 type guy. Um, I think that he uh, provides that sort of value, even if it's in a backup role. Um, uh, the the defense um, playing alongside guys on the perimeter that they have, um, the ability for Holmes to come out further than just be on the paint as a defender, I think makes a big impact for the Sixers in specific. Um, Toppin, I'm personally not a huge fan of, uh, but I think that uh, obviously when you watch him, the athleticism pops, um, it's like his brother. So uh, I think he would really have to like garner some sort of shot to that I is more projectable than it currently is to like um, supersede McDaniels in any sort of backup four type role. Um, yeah, that's how I view the, those big guys in there. But I'll let the the other two um, go for Cooper and Brace. So just I'll just go really fast. I think when I'm looking at this team, if I'm looking for second round, late second round, or undrafted targets, I'm really looking for either wing shooters or high-level defensive prospects in one way or another. I think those are what this team needs. Um, even if it means, like, at the end of games, you got to do, like, weird defense for offense stuff, like, at least get one of those things, a shooter at the wing or um, that type of defender. And I think, like, Antonio Reeves, shooter at the wing. Toppin, potentially that type of defender. I haven't done my deep dive on either of those guys yet, but could both potentially be that. Guy who stands out for me, and he's probably a little higher. You probably have to trade into the top, you know, probably the top 45, but it's realistic, I think, because second-round picks are still so weird. Um, Julian Strother, to me, would be a great fit here. Just someone who 
he can shoot, but he can also, you know, he can put the ball on the floor a little bit, attack, close out. Um, I think like, I, like he's he's kind of like Damian Lee esque, and I think like this team could really use a Damian Lee type. He's probably a better shooter than Lee is, even just someone who can do some things, just just be a little bit dynamic. I think this team really lacks a lot of dynamism outside of Embiid. Um, I think Alex Fudge is potentially an interesting guy here. Should he go undrafted? Uh, he he's a lot like Toppin. Uh, I would say just I, I buy his upside defensively a little more, but Toppin is definitely a, the superior like vertical athlete um and then the last guy i'll go with and this is obviously a weird one and your mileage is going to vary but amani bates to me i think is still worth at least some sort of i i think he's at the very least worth a two-way he could definitely shoot can he be like a secondary shot creator i don't know because the handle is so weird the shot making is so weird but there's there's a world where that works out coop is there anyone who stands out for you so my biggest problem with Daryl Morey for basically as long as I've been a basketball fan is that he refuses to acknowledge forwards. Forwards are are not basketball players in his mind. If you're not a guard and you're not a big, you don't exist. Okay. So I, I would really love to just, like you said, target a shooter or defender that's forward or like just actually, just actually forward sized. Okay. Uh, the first guy that comes to mind there is Coleman Hawkins. Uh, if he stays in and he falls this far, I think, you know, legit size, legit touch, solid defender, just can actually do stuff on the floor is big and strong. He's a little bit, uh, you know, he moves a little weird. He moves a little bit like Quasimodo, but you know, you still love watching him hoop. I think he makes smart plays and that's something the Sixers could really do with. Um, I am not his biggest fan, but. Kobe Brown, six foot eight, and can shoot the piss out of the ball. Yeah, he's like, at the very least, he is going to do that and rebound, and he's not an awful passer. Um, I don't know if he falls this far after the uh, after the the championship run, but Andre Jackson, I think, could be a really funky name. I don't know how he fits offensively or even defensively, but he just does stuff well, and I think he can like actually defend. Uh, you know the wings and forwards that really gave the Sixers fits. Like to me, the biggest Sixers problem is that if Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or these like actual big forward size guys <laughs> get the ball, it is Tobias Harris or PJ Tucker and nobody else can guard them because they're going to cook Maxi, They're going to cook Harden because he's slow. They're going to cook PJ because he's old and they're going to cook Tobias because he sucks. So you just need somebody who can at least pretend to guard them. And Daryl will never admit that that is a problem because he's Daryl Morey and it's his way or the highway. But I would love to see him, you know, actually solve one of the simple issues with this roster. Yeah, and, and we can just like, like Steve, if there's any more names you want to list out, I think we've kind of started to compile a good list. And a lot of these guys are fluid, right? Second round, undrafted. Are there any other names who, who stand out to you that you would like? Maybe more in the UDFA range? What about, forgive me, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name, Tosin from Princeton, Tosin. Tosin. We all have trouble. We just call him Tosin. Yeah. That's someone that I was looking at. And then let me give some love to some of the Portsmouth guys that I actually have the opportunity to interview. What about uh, Javen Johnson from DePaul? Good 3 and D. Again, you can't have too much wing depth in today's NBA. He can shoot it. He can defend. 
I think he measured at a seven two wingspan. He's only six six, so that was intriguing. Um, just self promote. I'm gonna be in. I'm gonna be releasing that interview on YouTube this week. And then what about Craig Porter Jr. from Wichita State? He's another one that I got the chance to catch up with an interview at Portsmouth. I know he's more of a guard. He's only six three. His block rate is crazy, though. Great weak side rim protector. And in the event that if you lose, like, in the event that Harden signs and then you lose, like, a Shake Milton, I could see Porter developing into, like, that third guard off the bench. Porter Jr. I'm specifically like to me, like, yeah, feels a lot like like DeAnthony Melton in a lot of ways. Less mm-hmm. polished defensively, but that same type of, like, insane playmaking instincts length athleticism um i like porter jr a lot i I can't wait to make uh coop and stone watch him for the pod at some point um but he's fun when you were uh you hit me up and we were talking about some intriguing guys i thought johnson was an interesting name just because he's like he takes a lot of pull-up shots like he's a pull-up shooter and you mentioned that length uh he does some fun stuff defensively i like that as a sleeper name i'll shout out i shouted out him out recently i'm just slowly getting through like the back end like super depth of this class usually i'm 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 in on a lot of those guys earlier but i'm a little late this year but angelo allegri from uh from eastern washington is a guy for me who i think um just feels like a like a guy who can stick around on 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 two ways at the back end of rosters it's just a wing who can put the ball on the ground and make good decisions can shoot the ball he's a lefty so there's always some bunk with guys who are um gonna throw opponents off with how they drive um, and he's not a horrible defender by any means. So I think that's a guy who I, I think deserves some love. He's had a couple workouts. Um, so I, I he stands out to me. Stone, are there any other names that, that you like here that are kind of deep depth guys? I mean, you guys named a lot of them. Uh, off the top of my head, Isaiah Wong makes some sense. I'm not the biggest Isaiah Wong guy. Um, but if you want just a shot maker off the bench and you want to start Maxi because um, – you know, he's obviously a top five player on their team. Um, then you probably want to replace some sort of scoring off the bench. I think um, at the very least, Wong has the capability to maybe do that. Um, the other guy, if I mean, if you're looking for a backup big, you know, I'm going to bring up uh, Charles Bediaco. Uh, I think that if you just need a backup center, I feel like he provides that role. That's all he's ever going to be in the NBA um, if he carves out an NBA role. Uh, but I think he can do it at a very competent rate. So um, to me, he'd be worth, you know, chasing after if he were to fall in undrafted free agency. Yeah. So there's a pretty good list of names there. We usually kind of do this as like a, a draft exercise, but the difference between best case and worst case scenario for undrafted guys is pretty minimal. So Steven, instead, I'm going to ask you, what's your worst case scenario for, the Sixers offseason as a whole. Like, everything goes wrong. What does that look like? That P.J. Tucker's your second best player. Third best player. You have Tyrese Maxey, of course. But And that's honestly a real scenario. I mean, outside as you asked me who's a keeper, who's on the block, I mean, you literally have Embiid, Maxey, Tobias. It's probably a trade chip just because of his large salary. And... If you want to move to buy, so you have no picks, as we talked about. So you might have to package D'Anthony Melton. You might. Then what? Then you have nothing else. PJ Tucker is your next best guy. So, uh, of course, you get something for Tobias. So then that might alleviate that issue. 
But I mean, it's just who are the worst candidates for like a potential hair straight where it's like you could see this being realistic and you would just be like, that's horrible. That's just like a you know, is Beal to that level of bad where you'd be I was gonna say I don't think Bradley Beal's that level of bad in terms of his play. I mean, he could create he's a shot creator next to Maxi, so that wouldn't be the worst thing, but the defense will then be really bad, though. Like yes, it's like de- that, exactly. So, um, BL, who are some? Are there any other candidates who you like? You could see Harrison Melton dealt, and it's just not someone you're excited about. Off the ooh, off the top of my head, can I say Ben Simmons? He's in. The, I'm kidding. Um, I don't no, know. I, I'm thinking of a scenario where if the Sixers really said, "Let's make one final push." If they would have enough, they don't have any draft capital. That's the issue. But if they said, okay, fine, we put Tyrese Maxey to buy Cyrus on the table for like a Dame Willard. Now, I know Portland probably would rather trade the number three pick in Anthony Simons. And even if they need to throw shade and shop to get whether it's Jalen Brown or Pascal Siakam or whatever table third, second guy they could get next to Dame. But my dream scenario for years, even pre-Holden, has been let's find a way to get Dame. Um, that's the best case. Okay, interesting. So I so I, I find that as an interesting best case trade for Dame. But I, I, I see the vision there, absolutely. I, I want to float one, one more by you, just because we talked about the heat earlier today. It's in my head. How would you feel like if, if Harden leaves and they're like, we don't want to trust Maxi's the primary, you know, like decision maker, ball handler, and they trade for like a like a middling guy like a Kyle Lowry. Like, is does that feel at all realistic to you, or do you hear that and you're like, "There's no way that Harris is traded for Lowry." I thought about it. Um, I I don't think it'd be the worst thing because Tobias and Lowry are both expiring. So take the one year flyer and you know see what happens. Yeah, just shuffle some deck chairs, basically. It would it would just be difficult in the Miami aspect because Tobias, I think, makes seven extra million dollars and they're already over that super tax, that second tax apron that, you know, has now been implemented. And that's before they re-signed Max Drusser, Gabe Vincent, or any of those guys. So I, I did think about a Kyle Lowry type. Now, if Dallas offered, I hate to say it, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Reggie Bullock and JaVale McGee for Tobias, and they throw us, probably not Jaden Hardy or Josh Green, but maybe like a first-round pick. If you could get any type of value for Tobias, especially from a team that underachieves like the Mavs do, and you think, or at this point, Kyrie might have already walked, I, I think that's an avenue you consider, at least, even if you have to take a step back for a year. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's all that's all interesting. Steven, we can't thank you enough. Again, as I mentioned at the top, like we really have to find guys who can who can do a carry job. Who you know, we gotta find our embeds to do these podcasts when teams don't have picks and, and you've done it admirably. We got a ton of undrafted names, talked a ton about CBA stuff. I learned some stuff because I uh the money stuff, all money confuses me but especially NBA money. So I learned a little bit more about that. I can't thank you enough. Let the people know where they can find all your excellent work. Of course, it will be tagged down below. So if you're looking for quick links, go down there. Steven, the floor is yours. So you guys could follow me on Twitter at Bird Rights Pod. I just started a YouTube channel. Same thing, Bird Rights Pod. 
I am doing a segment where basically I interviewed and I'm putting together, you know, 12, 15-minute scouting reports on some guys, you know, that don't get exposure. And that's why they're at events like Portsmouth, because the seniors are perceived to have less upside. And, you know, getting the opportunity to know these guys and form personal relationships with them, you know, makes me not only root for them as players, but, you know, it makes me want to be in their corner. So you can go check that out on my YouTube channel. I so far released Hunter Maldonado from Wyoming, and I released Derek Walker from Nebraska. You could expect, um, as I talked about, Javon Johnson, Craig Porter Jr., Cam Sheldon, a whole slew of guys that, you know, sat down with me, gave me that opportunity. JT Shoemate's another one. Um, so yeah, you can listen to the Bird Rights Podcast wherever you listen to this podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and go listen to my or go listen, go follow and read my work at the Sixer Sense through Fansided. Any CBA related things. So far, my first two articles for them were both CBA related. The first one was how the new CBA affects the Sixers and going forward. And the other one is Daryl Moy did a podcast appearance on a very popular Sixers podcast, and I, I broke that down on you know, kind of interpreted what some of the things he said. So that was a little fun thing to do. But yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I know this is a very busy time of year. I mean, this is the time of year you guys all wait for every year. So um, obviously the draft is tied into the front office. So uh, I'm trying to, you know, become more well-versed in it as the years go on. But yeah, the front office is obviously my um, my niche in the NBA sphere. Yeah, yeah, it feels like this is where our two worlds collide a bit. Yeah, right? the draft is all <laughs> collides because it's, okay, I rely on people like you when I'm running my front office to fit the pieces together, essentially. So, so yeah, it was fun. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Go check out all of Stephen's stuff. It's great. Um, this has been great, guys. That's been a long day of recording, but it's been a rewarding one. For Coop, at Ali underscore Oop underscore Coop. For Stone, at Report underscore Court. I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14. You can give us a like rating, review all that fun stuff. Check out the website. Uh, it's all it's all, it's all, all good stuff. The draft is close. Uh, we hope it are ceiling. Thank you. We'd once again like to thank the people at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.